0: Awesome, lovely, well, just as so, so as you know, the church doesn't actually close down, we continue to meet and we continue to be blessing to each other and that's a, an ongoing reality for us, so uh, we just have stopped the evening service, it doesn't mean we've stopped meeting as you gather because you've come this morning, and uh, I thought before we, uh, we dig further into the Word, uh, there's a time, because it is lovely in the worship and just soaking and, and listening to that and to it. Uh, Prophetic song that is being sung for us as well. I just feel like it would be good for us to take some more time just to um, open some moments for personal prophetic release. Can we do that? Uh, Let's ask the Lord just to stir us up to bring encouraging words. Words that are comforting, strengthening, healing, restorative. That's what prophecy is meant to be, according to Paul in Corinthians 14. So Lord, we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and just stir our hearts to um, express what's in the Father's heart to one another today. And we pray that there will be some specific life-giving words that so would be transformative, that there would be a word in season for individual people here and individual situations and families. Lord, we pray for a particular penetration of your word because when your word is sown out there, it does not return to your void but accomplishes all of that to which it has been sent. So, Lord, we bless you right now as we listen to your spirit speaking to us. Amen. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. Just if you have a, a sense that God might put something in your heart for another, and or that you're willing for Him to do that. You may not even know what it is. I've said this many times. Uh, God seldom gives you a word when you're sitting back there. He gives it to you at the point when you need to deliver it. So if you'd be willing for God to pr- possibly speak through you into the lives of others for a couple of moments, and doesn't be, don't try and be more profound than the next one. and don't all have to try and sing either. if <laughs> You don't have... <laughs> In fact, some uh, some might be asked not to sing. <laughs> uh, um, but if you are willing for God to speak through you to another, why don't you just come and make a short prophecy line? Let's just do that, eh? Come up here. <coughs> Where's Samuel? Samuel, God's got a word on your heart for somebody. Samuel's in the house. Somewhere. Come up, you need to come up here. And anyone else that just, you, you, you don't know what it is, but you're willing, Lord, if you would speak through me, I'd be happy for you to use my voice. And bless another, maybe it'll be a transforming word in someone's life. I'm going to ask you to come up with the microphone on the f- table, because we're still on live streaming, and then they can catch it. If you're going to speak a word, why don't you just come up on the platform? And can I ask you again, just uh, if, if at all possible, if the Lord just shows you specifically who you've got to speak to, that you actually call that person out, that you name that situation or describe, then we can uh, uh, be very personalized and specific in our application. Eh? Thanks, David.
1: Um as you just as they made that call now, um, I saw this picture of this lion with this flame, obviously what had been shared before and but then I saw this precious um, gem that that was beautiful and it had been uh, was reflective and clean and had been muddied. it um it got got into some mud and it was sort of covered. Um got into some dirt, and that, re- that representing someone here perhaps I, I, I don't have the I haven't um <laughs> seen someone specifically, but um and then in this picture, um, this gem came forward before this line, and then the flame sort of like licked off all the dirt and all the the blemishes that had been that it had been dirtied with, and once again this gem was brilliant, clean reflective and i felt i felt like god was just in this moment this morning someone like you you might feel that way that you have dirtied yourself in some way there's something as you come before god there's something that you're aware of that's on you and i felt like god's god's saying like this morning he wants to he wants to come and just gently lick off those things um mm. with with that flame you know yeah
0: thank you thank you
1: all
2: morning family so just uh, I've got a sort of a general one but also a specific one um <clears throat> i just feel like specifically to speak to the woman in this house today by saying to you that you are a voice and not an echo you are a voice and not an echo um yeah and i also i think tied into that as well i feel like um the lord's inviting the men to also affirm the woman because of the whole history of patriarchy and things like that we've been often been speaking about. I feel like the men have a specific role to play in, in affirming and calling out the woman. And secondly, um, Celeste, where are you? There you are. I just really just feel to affirm you today. I feel like um, um, you carry something in the spirit of actually, I feel like um, today was there was a birthing that began to be, to be released. And um, I, I really just feel like, and this is not to exclude the men, um, God is, you know, men and women at the same time. I do feel like there's an emphasis on women specifically. The Lord is saying, woman, it's your time to arise and it is your time to roar. Mm. So just to affirm and to encourage that in you. And, um, yeah, I think that's all about our God. Mm. So just to be encouraging that.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Hello. <laughs> um, this year has been a tough year, not just for me, but I know a lot of people, And one thing that has got me through this um, year is the first word, a profound word that I ever heard in this church. Uh, It was, I think, yeah, before August sometime. Um, The word was, forget what was, but enjoy what is to come. Um, And I always thought to me, that was like, oh no, you just completely forget about it and let God take over, which is. If you let God take over your past thoughts and angers and hardships, he will bless you with an eternity of um, hope and joy and laughter. Mm,
4: Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Uh, The Bible says that with long life I will satisfy you and show you my salvation. It also says that the righteous shall be like the palm tree that shall bear fruit even in old age. Mm. So as I was standing here, I had the Lord telling me to tell someone that old age is a blessing and not a curse. Um, You bear fruit in your old age. Somebody here is uh, scared of getting sick, um, getting old now. You're feeling useless. You're feeling like you don't have much to offer. There's this anxiety that is rising up in your heart. um, You're afraid of being sick, of... uh not having much to offer anymore, but the Lord is reminding you that the righteous shall be like the palm tree Mm. that bears fruit even in old age. As you grow older, uh, there is an assignment that God has for you. There is a generation that is uh, not reached because people get to certain ages and they feel they don't have any more to offer. God has an assignment for you even now that you're getting old. And I also had God telling me uh, to... Tell someone that uh, is having some terminal illnesses. You 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 live on chronic medication. It looks like the situation is incurable. Um, We serve a God. Uh, God said I should tell you. I know there are more than one uh, persons here. It says that let God be true and every man a liar. The Bible says that by His stripes you have been healed. So just reach out and take your healing. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. I don't know how to communicate it in English, what I'm hearing in my spirit, but all things are possible with God. If you can reach out right now in this service, Mm. under this atmosphere, you can walk Mm. out of this place completely healed. Mm. This week, somebody is going to go to the doctors and do a checkup, and next Sunday, he will stand on this platform and say, Jesus has healed me. Mm. And finally... um, God, God told me, just while I was standing, the first thing he told me, and I reserved it for the last, is that at the end, he shall speak. Whatever God has spoken to you concerning this year, do not give up. If you give up, you will lose. But mm-hmm. if you refuse to give up, at the end, he shall speak. Don't give up on the prophecies you've received. Don't give up on the prayers you've prayed this year. Even if it has not happened, does not mean it will never ha- not happen anymore. At the end you will testify this year in Jesus' mm. name.
0: Amen. Thanks, Emil. You. Thank you.
2: This is probably a, a word that we can that we can all take, but I feel like God was specifically um, speaking to you, Robbie, um, saying that we should be brave and courageous, and um, brave and very courageous. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if there's something, decision that you need to make, but um, I think we can all uh, take from it.
0: Thanks. I
3: woke up and with my reading this morning and I thought this was for a particular person in our house church, but now I know it's for many people. It's in Ephesians three sixteen, <coughs> I pray that he would unveil in you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods. Your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. May God's delight, grace, and peace cascade over you all many times over.
0: Mm. Thank you, Ida. Thank you.
5: Yeah, you know, I've I got two words. One for this couple that I met this morning, the white shirt and the, the red. Mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, you, you're scared security-wise of your house and your home. and it maybe it's financial, but I think it's more just the crime around right now. And you guys are praying hard and saying, Lord, are you going to protect us? Where are you? Are you going to help us? And I feel like the Lord just wants to really affirm, mm-hmm. to say that he has placed a thousand angels around your house.
0: Listen, Lord. Mm-hmm.
5: And, and he just wants you to, you to know that today, that, that you don't have to fear you don't have to worry. You don't have to look around left and right and behind you. The Lord has he's got you, and he's got your home, and, he, and he's, he's around you guys. Mm. And uh, as you stand in that place, <coughs> and as you stand in that peace, you'll begin to speak. Mm. So, Father, we just pray for them right now. We, we pray, Holy Spirit, will you mm. protect them now, Lord, mm. that all fear that, that comes from the enemy, all fear and worry and anxiety about security... We pray, Holy Spirit, will you bring peace in Jesus' name. Mm. Bring your peace in Jesus' you, name. Lord. Amen. Amen. And i got a word for Tamsin. And uh, we've, we've listened to Tamsin sing quite a lot this year. and She's been around us for a whole year. But today in the back, and I just saw you singing, and I just thought, wow. Like, it was another angel singing, eh? Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a prophetic song that you were actually singing as well. It was just, it was like listening to heaven. And I feel like you obviously, and I know a little bit about it in terms of the worry about next year and going back and are you going to be okay and what does it look like? But I feel like the Lord is just highlighting you and just saying like what you've received this year, what he's spoken to you and what he's doing, you're going to take back and you're going to be okay because you take back Jesus, you take back friends and you take back the encounters that you've had with him and he's with you. And He's going to be with you, and you're going to be okay. He loves you, and He cares for you, and He just wants to affirm you today, Tamsin, that mm. there's no worry, no no stress. He's got you, and He loves mm. you.
0: Amen. Bless you, Tamsin. Hey, morning, everyone. Hey um,
2: sorry. Uh, ah, Quentin. Um, when I saw you come up, so I'm, I'm quite nervous. This is the first time for me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, thanks. So... <coughs> When I was looking at you, I, I saw you in the in, in form of, of a tree, and that you were potted, and it's like you're in the time of your life now where you need to be repotted, like the situation that you've been in has, has been um, toxic, and you need to get some better soil, but also what you've been experiencing, the pain that you've been going through, is is the pruning, and you shouldn't be afraid of that, and... I know we, we sometimes want to hold on to a lot of things, and, and you're just being you being pruned now, so that—that that hurt. There's going to be growth that's going to come from that, and from that there will—it will bear fruit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: Thanks, Roger. Thank you. you, um,
3: Nick, I actually have a word for you. I, I didn't come up because I thought you were at the kids' church. Um, the Lord spoke to me through what you were wearing. If you haven't seen my husband today, has a bright orange shirt on. Mm. And I felt like the Lord just wanted to reaffirm just the call to intercession on your life. I know that you know it, but I felt like he wanted you to hear it from him. Mm. And I saw your prayers and particularly your prayers for warfare against the plans of the enemy, like Agent Orange, which is used mm. was used in, in the Vietnam War. And I know it was like the Lord was speaking your language because Agent Orange was used specifically in air warfare. And I know that you know what that means. And I felt like he wanted to just affirm you today that your prayers are so powerful. And he wanted to just remind you of that scripture that says, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Yeah, so mm. I just bless you in your, in your prayer ministry yeah. in Jesus' name.
0: Amen. Thank you.
1: Uh, thanks. Ben, I think this is for you, my man. I don't know. No. <laughs> uh,
0: psalm 23 says the lord is my shepherd i shall not want i think that's as far as you need to go <laughs> for you and also if you're not convinced
2: later on it says you anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows mm. and you your me last week as well saying that the lord's blessed you so mm. you're it's not half empty
0: it's not half full it's overflowing and i will trust mm. the lord that f- for you sure. for that okay penny right, thanks steve that's good. Eh? just ask to uh, let the Lord speak directly from our hearts to each other. Eh? So let's see, if anyone is in the house that you feel like, uh, uh, especially, you've, there's evidence of aging. <laughs> Maybe it's not visible, but it's felt. Um, or of illness, that you, and you want to take that word that was spoken strongly from Samuel, uh, to stand in the promise of God for full restoration. Why don't you just stand quickly for us now? You, you know that you're, you're in the second half of life and, and your body's starting to show, or there's just sheer, just a need for God's healing power. Would you stand in this house right now? We're going to pray for a healing prayer across this room and see what the Lord's going to do. Don't be shy. He can, he can reverse it and call you to be an evergreen tree. Let's reach out our hands towards these folks that are standing. Let's just pray. Lord, we pray strengthen their faith. Strengthen their faith. We pray, Lord, that their faces would be brightened as they look into your face, as they find fresh intimacy with you, who you are as the ever-living God, the one who was, is, and is to come, that they would know that in you is the source of their life, that in you they live and move and have their being. So, Lord, would you transform their physical conditions with hope, with uh, the intervention of your Spirit's power working in the molecules of their bodies. Uh, And we pray that in every part of their life they would experience your restoration, that you do a fresh thing there, that it will not be by the the efforts of man and mankind, but Lord, it will be because of what you have done by your Spirit and are doing as you restore what has been broken, what has been lost. And we pray especially for fresh vision, a sense of, of hope that would prevail over them more and more and more, that they would know that you're the God of hope. And Lord, you do not frustrate us, but you hear the cries of the needy, and you are the ever-present help in time of trouble. So we call on you, and we bless you for the outcome of this prayer today, and the statement of faith that's made by their, just their sheer stand before you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I was very troubled this week to hear of um, of uh, the effect of cultural addictions in our nation, where three children are killed every day in South Africa. I don't know if you know that. And the majority of that is related to witchcraft, to Sangoma influence. And uh, I just felt a holy horror rise up in me about uh, our accommodation to our varieties of cultures. Man, there are some things that are just contrary to God's kingdom plan. And we've just got to say no, and no is enough. And I was thinking about one of the most common things that comes up for us, And I think it bedevils our our, our relationships. Is the whole practice, and there are many of these practices, but this particular one, many might feel this one is not so harmful, so why worry about it? Well, it's the practice of labola, where women are for sale. They're objectified and sold. And although it might have been intended well in some form or other by way of getting a young man to rise up in in financial responsibility, but it's completely uh, destructive in this this ongoing current-day effect. Uh, and it, it feeds into gender-based violence, quite frankly. And uh, it exacerbates the breakdown of marriages because there's so, so many complications to the practice of the Ebola that it's never quite complete, completed and concluded. Uh, and I just feel like we got to pray against every form of witchcraft in our nation that is holding us a ransom to God's divine plan and His best will and purpose for our nation. Why don't you stand with me, if you would. Let's just stand before the Holy God. And call on his name. Lord, we stand before you because we know you are the Holy One. And we raise our hands to you because we know, Lord, that we can, because we are washed by the blood of Jesus. And Lord, because of this, because of the confidence we have in your shed blood and your victory at the cross, Lord, we thank you that we can come before you and pray on behalf of our nation. Lord, we pray for the destruction of everything that would be destructive for our nation. And Lord, that you would release righteousness upon this nation justice and truth and lord all schemes and scams would be exposed and there would no longer be this long 24 years and more waiting for justice to happen and truth to be declared lord we pray that our nation would learn to love truth like never before there would be a a compassion and a desire for truth that would be so deeply inbred in us that uh, nothing would stand in the way that truth would come and truth would set people free Lord, we pray in our nation, Lord, bring forth your kingdom power. Come and do a fresh work in South Africa. I've been hearing prophetic words being released upon South Africa, and in particular in this coastal region going forth into the rest of the nation. Lord, would you do that? Would you just come and begin that wave, even begin it amongst us, Lord, amongst us in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, quickly, go for it. Give us a short version. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah no, not the Monica version. <laughs> okay, so past couple of months, Jesus has actually shown, he's taken me to stand in the middle of Satanists' covens. He's taken me to the middle of Sangoma, one of the top Sangomas in PE, in, in the Eastern Cape. and And the demons were terrified. They have to acknowledge Jesus. But love is what caught the the people in those circles. It was not fear or hatred, and we are meant to go out with love, bless those who curse us, pray for those who ill-treat us, and the demonic must flee. The demonic must flee.
0: Okay. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. In, uh, in a particular low moment of the weekend, I felt the Lord just remind me of that scripture in Ezekiel 6-9 where he says, My, my heart is broken for my people's whorish or adulterish ways. And I felt like the horror of God. And he said that they're, uh, they're more attached, he goes on to say, they're more attached to their idolatries than to me. So this is a time for us to get very serious about our pursuit of God. And uh, it's not always a comfortable message, not a kind of seeker-sensitive, seeker-friendly sensitive seeker message for a, a church if you want to grow it around it. But we want to grow a church around the kingdom. Huh? That's what it, that's what it's about for us. Uh, uh, and true seekers will, f- will find the, the, the answers as we declare that. But I do believe that God... God, uh, he does feel, hey? he says, my heart is broken. We saw Jesus weeping in, in John, uh, John 11 with the tomb of Lazarus and things that happened there. So we're talking for a couple of weeks, um, third week this time, and we'll do one more week on it next week, on, uh, on the power of the gospel what it does in our lives, and we talked about how how much can it save us, How, how saved can you get was the first week, and last week, how the gospel brings us to being winners, and we talked with that fun little program with the kids and the whole roundup thing we had, the different ways the Lord helps us to become overcomers through the power of the gospel, that we're not under the circumstances, we can rise above them, but today I want to talk about what the gospel does to money. This is the time of the year when money is a big issue because it's a commercialized Christmas deal. And and there's all sorts of Black Friday specials and all sorts of things. Money, 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 money is a big thing. I know people say money does talk. Mostly it says goodbye. But uh, (laughs) uh, but, uh, let's get a handle on what the gospel does to money today. And I... I'm very encouraged in the the spirit to share this word with you. And uh, next week we can talk about what the gospel does to relationships. Because these are two things that prevail, especially in in this festive season. Money issues and relationships that are, are, are desired and, and uh, are seeking to be engaging on the one hand. But on, as Dave also prayed at the beginning, it's also time when we're awakened to what we've not got in relationships. Maybe someone has passed away or somewhere, there's some relationships that are broken. We'll, we'll get into that next week. But just to, uh, to come in on what the gospel does to money. And I'd like to go straight away to Luke chapter 16 if you'll open your Bibles there. Luke chapter 16. <clears throat> Uh, and while you're looking for it, I'll just quickly give you some wisdom from children. The Bible says that out of the mouths of babes, eh? so here's some things that might be helpful. Little Nick, Nicky, uh, age six, says, if you want to learn to love better, you should start with a friend that you hate. <laughs> That's some solid wisdom, eh? And uh, Noel, age seven, says, love is when you tell a guy you like his shirt, then he wears it every day. Or uh, Tommy, age six, says, love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even though they know each other so well. (laughs) Well, may the Lord help us to uh, really hear what he's saying to us out of his word. And Jesus says something very profound in the middle of this whole chapter, which is, and isn't it interesting, two-thirds of Jesus' parables have to do with money and possessions. So this is not an ungodly subject. This is a a field uh, of application that Jesus used again and again. So Luke 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot. It's not you shouldn't, you're trying to, trying not to. He says you cannot. It's one or the other. The Pharisees, verse 14, the Pharisees who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, you are the ones who justify yourselves in the eyes of men, but God knows your hearts. What is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. Jesus is taking on the law here. He's taking on the destructiveness of condemnation that has come on the back of no gospel. Because when the gospel comes, Paul says it is the power of God unto salvation. And this is the very thing that the Pharisees were offended in. One of the prime places they were offended in this was in the story of Zacchaeus. You remember the story of Zacchaeus? We won't read it because you all know it so well. Luke chapter 19, verse 1 through 10. If you want to go and do some reading on it, that's the whole story. Zacchaeus is a tax collector. Uh, how many of your friends are tax collectors? Anybody got a friend who's tax collector? We need some connections. <laughs> but uh, tax collectors in those days made their income by being demanded by the authority for whom they worked to bring in a certain amount. and Anything they could gather above that would be for their own taking. Does that sound like South Africa? Um so the tax collectors were despised because they were, they were sellouts to their people. And Zacchaeus um, so was one of those, and his name means righteous man or holy man, but he was anything but that. And so he climbs, being short, he climbs a tree, Jesus comes that way so he can see better, and he, and he tries to investigate what this gospel is and why everybody's rushing to Jesus. And as Jesus comes under that tree, he calls him by name. He calls him by what he's not, that he might become a don't you like that? That's the gospel right there. You're called into being what before you are it. We're called the new creation when we still have the old creation blotched all over us. Eh? But he calls us a new creation in Christ. The old things are gone or are going. Eh? Positionally, they're gone. But functionally, experientially, still some of the old nature upon us. And he calls Zacchaeus into being by, by virtue of a name that he, he uses over his life. And then the Pharisees get all upset about this. They're sort of objecting, why has he gone into the home of a sinner? And law comes at condemnation, judgment comes. But the gospel stands firm in that house. And something happens in the house. And that's what I want us to examine for the rest of the next 15 minutes or so. What is it that happened in that house that transformed Zacchaeus' life economically, at least? And it couldn't have been transformed economically had it not been transformed in the heart. And I want us to unpack that. There are three things that happen in that house, and these are the three things that happen when the gospel comes to us. This is what happens to our money because the gospel has an influence. And, and this is why it needs to happen. Can I, can I just explain some of the lies we live by? There's a gang of lies. are three main lies. I'll just touch them very quickly. There's a the lie that says there's never enough. Just accept it. There's never going to be enough. And, and yet Steve prophesied just now over Benny that it'll not just be a touch and a touch there; it'll be an overflowing cup. Jesus didn't say, come to me and you might have life in little portions. He says, you'd have life in abundance. There's a there's a sense of, of prosperity in God, and we insult Him when we live with the, the deceitful motto that there's never going to be enough. And fear, and the fear of, of scarcity in particular, uh, prevails in our lives. How many might have been there? Been in that land of scarcity, you know what I'm talking about here? And... Um, The second lie um, says that more is always better. Is it really? eh? Is it really? I I don't really know the inside take of Palapala, but I do know that the message went out. uh, One of the reasons Madiba chose Tabu Mbeki to be his successor is that he he released uh, uh, Cyril, to pursue a a career in economics and commercial life uh, so as to lead the way for transformation there. And actually, that's one motivation. The other is to become so wealthy that one day he could become a long-serving president for us at a time when we'll need a president who will not be touched by temptation to have more. Because he'll have more than he could ever need. Buffaloes and whatever else. So I don't know what's going down in Pala Pala. I don't know. That's still up. The jury's still out to investigate that. But it does bring into question this, how much is enough? They asked a, 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 a billionaire, how, at what point did you have enough? How much is enough? And he said, a little more, a little more. Okay? You've you got a raise. You've got a 5% raise. And he said, was it enough? No, a little more, a little more. And there's always this passion because of this law that says more must be better. Um in Proverbs fifteen, uh, you got that verse, verse, verse twenty seven, I think it is. Proverbs fifteen twenty seven. You guys, you're flipping through your, your special Bibles there. <laughs> the, the greedy bring to ruin their households, but the one who hates bribes will live. What a straight statement, eh? <laughs> uh, and we can get deceitful about these. One Timothy six seventeen. Paul says, "Warn the rich." Um, not to put their trust in uncertain riches, but to trust and hope in God. Because riches can bring an arrogance about us, a self-sufficiency in us, that uh, take away from us our dependence on the Lord. And as a result of that, we might be materially and commercially stronger for a season, but spiritually impoverished. Isn't it it tragic? that so often the wealthiest have the most multiple marriages because somehow it's never enough. And there's so many forces that are are at play when we're uh, pushing out for more and more and more. So watch out for these things, that call these lies that come at us. Perhaps just the other one is uh, just accept your lot. This is the lie that goes around. The way things are are the way things are meant to be. It just is because it is. And that brings about a passivity upon us. So we have fear, greed, and passivity, three big motivational factors that creep in and, and destroy our lives. And uh, uh, yeah, we have the story of Zacchaeus. Let's go back there. And Jesus is engaging in the story. Um, and it's interesting that this story is followed. His encounter with Zacchaeus is followed by a teaching a teaching about using what you've got well and, and expecting it to prosper. And when it does, as you do well with it, more is given. And to him, he who has, more will be given. And the Scripture encourages us to be diligent with regard to what we have um, and, uh, and have an expectation of prospering. And then it concludes at the end of that, he calls for the, the, the donkey. And he gets on the donkey and he rides a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. He's making a statement that what the world sees as, uh, as, as pomp and ceremony is not the same as the kingdom view. He comes on a donkey. He comes riding in. But the people in that moment realize that there's something significant in this, and they reach for it. But they're also this, tragically the same people who only had it up to a, a point because they're the same people in the same city that called for him a few days later to be crucified. That's what bothers us, those of us who are working in mission work across, across Africa in particular, and we see said this many times, that the gospel has gone wide across this nation, this, these nations, and is, as we say, a mile wide but an inch deep. There's a need for us to be intentional about discipleship. I, I've been reading and, and hearing about stories of churches that have taken discipleship seriously. That everyone is encouraged to press into being, to being a disciple and making disciples. That the following of Jesus, not rather than just working out what church membership looks like or following certain principles, but engaging with Him and letting His new life creep into you and become yours. The churches that do that have experienced um, sustained growth. Blessing, favor, both numerically and financially, and in terms of release of ministries, and volunteerism is is one of the easiest things that that results from discipleship. Because didn't Jesus come to serve? eh? He rides on a donkey. He doesn't ride on a Cadillac. He rides in a donkey. And he comes just in his humility. And that's the amazing thing about God. James discovered that, that God gives his grace to the humble. The more humble you are, the greater you are in the kingdom. The way up in the kingdom of God is down in humility and service. So let's go back to Zacchaeus. Three things that, that the gospel that Jesus demonstrated to Zacchaeus resulted in his life. The first one is that he was he overwhelmed by gratitude. Suddenly, he sits and he looks across the table and he sees Jesus, this Messiah, who's performing miracles and validating his Messiahship, is able to, to come into his house. And ask, actually, ask for a meal to receive. Let me tell you, sometimes it takes more grace to receive than to give. There's a, there's a pride in being able to give, you know, but can you receive? Can you receive? I heard of a guy who was doing some outreach and making hot chocolate for 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 um, people, the homeless people in the park, and handing it out. And uh, one of the one of these homeless people was was so gratefully grateful in 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 to receive this, this hot chocolate. She uh, reached and, and gave this pastor $2, which is an American, two two years' old. She said, this is what I can give you. I want to say, will you take this and use it to buy to more hot chocolate for someone else? And he said, no, don't worry. We don't need your money. We, we're okay. We don't need your money. And she suddenly turned and got angry with him. She said, you angry bee. I won't say what she said uh, in church. <laughs> you are so proud, so arrogant, so That you won't take my money, but you want the blessing, well, to give, but you won't let me do that? Don't rob me of the the better blessing. Hot chocolate was great, but being able to give it to another is even better. So Jesus comes to Zacchaeus' house and says, I'm coming for a meal, can you give me? He puts himself in that place of inviting Zacchaeus to just begin to discover the freedom of giving. And Zacchaeus, the first thing that the gospel did to Zacchaeus was instill a seed of gratitude. In that moment, he he switched from being a getter to a giver and was, was motivated by a new heartbeat of gratitude. Gratitude came to his life like never before. It started to push the fears out and push the selfishness and the self-centeredness out. And it began to, to operate from a, a new place of, of gratitude. Everything from that time, and that's what the gospel does to us. Everything from that time, you'll know it's the gospel of God. when it's, when it's The message is you've got to, not you've got to do this, you've got to do that, but the message is done. Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. The law says do this. The gospel of grace is done. It's a done deal. And so from that time on, we live with gratitude. We're saying thank you. I think this is the surprise to us in, in our relationships. We, 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 we sometimes neglect to celebrate the people and we tolerate the people around us. And in the process, we lose the experience of the celebration of gratitude for who they are to us. Think about the people in your life that you've taken for granted and, and 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 have begun to even just tolerate rather than to celebrate. And and the gospel will awaken you to see the gifts of the of God in the people around you again. Even those awkward ones. Maybe God put you in that family because it's got sandpaper that'll rub you up so nicely. Iron's gonna sharpen iron and you're gonna come out of that so much more mature than you would be had you lived in a nice neat picket fenced house, eh? We've got to learn to say, thank you, God, that even when I go through turmoil, uh, what was that young brother spoke about that, the tough things this year, and then uh, how, how the Lord is using all these things to shape us up. Think back on your year, Think back on your years, your many years, and how God, if you will allow him, when we give thanks in all things will cause us to grow from the pain and the difficulties we go through. even Even when we would have chosen a different road. Am I talking to anybody in this house? Gratitude is the first evidence that the gospel is touching your money. Because you know that what you have, you have by the grace of God. The, the, the outworking of that is that everything you begin to do is motivated by gratitude. And even we've talked about that in this church many times. We never teach you've got to tithe to be blessed. We tithe, we tithe because we have been blessed. When you got that birthday gift or that inheritance or that profit on the sale of a house or a salary that came, whatever it is, when we say with 10% of that to thank you to God, we're saying thank you, not please God, will you bless me in the future, but can I thank you for what you have done? You've again shown yourself faithful. Let God be true in every man a liar. Samuel, let God be true in every man a liar. God has shown himself faithful to you and he's he's helped you with that. And you're saying gratitude-based giving. This is so important that we do it, not because we have to, but because we get to. The second thing that happened to to, uh, Zacchaeus in that engagement, as we see from what he says um, in the the second part of of his encounter uh, as he stands up, and you might want to ask yourself the question, at what point did Zacchaeus actually become a, a Christian? Well, you can argue that was it when he decided to go towards the tree, climb the tree, come out of the tree, have Jesus in the house? When was it? At what point did he become a follower of Jesus? We don't know for sure. But we you know when Jesus thought he was a believer. Jesus only said it after Zacchaeus had said something. And Romans 10, verse 9 and 10, says that we confess. We believe in our heart until righteousness, makes it right with God. But when we confess it with our mouths, it's unto salvation. Others know that we are saved. And when Zacchaeus confessed Christ, when you confess your Savior openly towards others, and you declare him, and you're not holding back, Then it becomes evident. So don't think you can be a passive Christian. It's like a contradiction in terms. eh? It's like an oxymoron, passive Christian or isolated Christian. It doesn't work that way. God wants us connected. He wants us active in our faith to bring forth the fruit of of this. And um, so here's the second thing that happened. He found himself suddenly deeply inspired to Generosity. I mean, the guy stands up and says, Lord, half my goods I'm going to give away. Can you imagine cutting your estate in half just because you became a believer? You just cut it in half and give half away just to say thank you. And just because you're no longer going to be owned by what you own. The gospel takes away ownership from us and gives us stewardship in its stead. And we become stewards of our time, our resources, our possessions, our our vehicles, our cash, Uh, We become stewards because they belong to God from that moment. Because when you say Jesus is Lord, it's like saying he's your owner. And you're ceding it to him. And Zacchaeus did that specifically by giving half of it to the poor. And uh, Proverbs 14 verse 31 says on that very point, He who oppresses the poor shows contempt for their maker, but whoever is kind to the needy needy, honors God. So, generosity just broke out. And we saw the same thing happen in Acts 2 in Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out. You remember, uh, the first thing that they did was to be loosened from their possessions. And they began to give and support. And, and there was not an needy one amongst them. There was this massive outbreak of generosity. Uh, and. Joseph, who was then nicknamed Barnabas because he, he sold so much in order to liquidate assets to make sure he could give it away, he became Barnabas, which in Hebrew means son of encouragement. They, they, they renamed him, nicknamed him. And uh, because that's what the gospel was doing in their lives, bringing about a, uh, an extravagant generosity. I think this is an amazing adventure we've been invited to, hey? Gratitude based and extravagant in generosity. So it's a wonderful uh, effect the gospel has on our on our money and even when Jesus demonstrated the way and he lived the, this gospel life himself uh, you think back on the Galilean hillsides when 5,000 men besides women and children show up and, and they're having a full day seminar and they're going to be fed he just expects generosity because the gospel is present and a little boy comes up with these little loaves and fishes picnic basket and, and somehow he works a miracle, giving thanks to God, gratitude-based, and shares it all, and there's enough with 12 baskets left over. What a, what an extravagance. That's a God whom we love and serve. So I love that my God will supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's what he declares. That's what he says. That's what he does. Uh, the third thing that happened to, to Zacchaeus uh, and his money happens to us also. He then says, and if I have cheated any man, I'll pay him back four times. A little if is an interesting if, isn't it? If I have cheated any man. Everybody knew this guy worked for the for SARS of the day. But uh, if I have cheated any man, let's just cover our backs a little bit here. I'll pay him back four times as much. But what I'm really wanting you to see, uh, he was on a journey. So he was, he was making as, as honest a confession as he felt he could. But he did lean into, from that moment on, a biblically-based lifestyle. He was reaching for Bible values. Because he was quoting back from Leviticus that if you steal, you must pay back four times as much. So he was leaning into biblical values from that time. And that's what the gospel will do for you. It will cause you to lean into biblical values for your money management. Which says, for example, "Oh, no man anything but love. So it's wrong for a Christian to be in debt and accept it acquiescently. If you're in debt, ask God to give you a horror of it. Ask God to move you to deal with that and turn it into a, from a debt, first step is to turn it into, into, first an awareness, own what it is. A lot of people who are in debt, one of the ways they cope is like the ostrich, eh? you just hide it away, and you make like, you don't know about it, you don't know how much it is, you don't know what the interest is, you don't know when it's going to be paid, you don't know the outstanding amount, you just play dumb. I'm afraid that doesn't wash with God, because he sees all things. So with God, you bring it all, and and you acknowledge it, uh, and you, be, and you t- begin to transform it into a business loan with the person. Say, look, I know I should have paid you this amount, this amount of interest by these dates, so... Uh, I apologize for what I've done wrong so far, and uh, by the grace of God, and if you will work with me about this, I, I'm going to commit to the ne- paying it over the next uh, three months, three years, ten years, whatever the case might be, and you go, and this is how much I'm going to pay, and you turn it from a debt into a loan, which becomes a business agreement with mutual acceptance, and at that point, be, you're moving out of the bondage of debt. Straight away, once you've, once you've begun to move from just being an unpaid sum uh, whether, whether, whether it's it's finances or other commodities, if it's something that you've owed and you haven't done it, uh, the Bible would urge you to get a horror of debt and to live free. We're not meant to be slaves. The Bible says that if we owe, we become a tail and not the head. And he wants us to be, he wants to be the, the head. We've got, a, we've got two great Danes now, one Dane has got this tail like a ligavon. And when, it's she, when she slaps the floor, it's like beating a drum, you know. And... Uh, I'd hate to to be the tail end of things. Hey? It's far better to be in the head, to be to be moving in direction, moving not just. Have you ever been to? Uh, when they have these uh, play parks, and you sit on that swing, and you're at the end of it, and it's like I want to call it a whip or something, and it throws you around, huh? Hey? And it's like that when you are the tail and not the head, you get thrown this way and that way, at the mercy or the manipulations of everyone else. But God wants to set us free from uh, from being the tail and not the head. So. Uh, as accused of saying I'm going to move now in biblical values and one of those is reparation one of the values is making paying back what has been taken and paying back in good measure you know in 1758 the Quakers got such a horror of slavery and this is way before slavery was abolished it was only abolished in 1809 in the UK and 60-some years later for the Americans, so that's, that's how slow it was in the processing. But the, the, the Quakers in 1758 already said, if you're going to be a member in our, amongst us in our communities, you need to make right wherever you've made wrong. And they made a commitment to reparation. And in particular, if anyone had ever been enslaved by you, you need to make sure that that whole family is, is well provided for, that you, you have no sense of having exploited them. Make sure you, you support them fully. A full reparation. Now, we might be scared of that because what's it going to mean for us? Well, the fact is, who are you more scared of? <laughs> are you going to honor God or are you going to go with, with uh, our schemes and scams on the earth? So Zacchaeus is leaning into such biblical values as reparation um, and taking charge. He's, he says, I'll take responsibility for this. And uh, that's when you're making money your servant. Money's no longer going to be your master. It's going to become your servant. And one of the ways you, 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 you make money your servant is as you do with any employee. You tell the employee what to do. Go here, do that, fetch this, deliver that. He he or she does what you as the boss now say. So your money should uh, should move from being on your head I apologize, it's a it's a kiwi or oh, sorry about that. Can you forgive me? Uh from being on your head, huh? To being under your foot. You make it your servant. Does it make sense? God doesn't want us to be, uh, uh, doesn't want us to be um, dominated by financial concerns and what money is saying to us and as if money is going to rule. Uh, I have found out over the years, the 54 years that I've walked with Jesus, and increasingly so, I've never been out, able to outgive him. I've never been able to outgive him. And if Colleen and I ever have a, a sense we need to be saying into something or some one or giving some money to something, and we pray about it, and uh, and we have a discrepancy in the amount, our, 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 our default mode is to go with a bigger amount constantly. Whatever we need felt prompted to give, go with a bigger one. We we know we are safer to lean into the generosity of God uh, than the cautions of our own cleverness. If that makes sense to you, eh? Hey? God wants us to be free. The gospel sets us free financially. So, uh, Proverbs 13:11 says, He gathers money little by little, makes it grow. So, it's, it's strategic biblical thinking. If you gather it little by little. By the way, it's little by little, not lotto by lotto. Just in case some of you didn't hear me right. Uh, if you gather it little by little, it makes it grow. Um, in Proverbs 12, 20, uh, 24, 12, 24. Diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. So be diligent in your planning. Going on a few verses later, verse 27, Proverbs twelve twenty-seven: The lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. He's a good steward of what he's just obtained. The lazy man doesn't even roast his game. He lets the meat go rotten. But the diligent man secures it. He eats what he can for the day, and he roasts the rest, and he uh, keeps it for the next day. And there's a budgeting going on. So, So how do we... How do we make money our servant? Well, this is one of the ways we, we do reparation, but we specifically put in place what's called a budget, uh, a, a money plan, where you say uh, to your employee, okay, this is what you're going to do today, and that's what you're going to do this afternoon, and tomorrow, and next week, and you've got a plan for the employee's employment. So we've got the same with our money. We tell our money what to do. And you might need to adapt the plan, as you would with any, company you adapt the plan as you go along but you've got a plan and you're working by the plan and the plan is informed by biblical values according to what Zacchaeus is leaning into here he's wanting to have a bible-based value system as he looks at his financial estate and so he he uh, develops a budget that's a one values-based budget and then he makes sure yeah, you know, if you're an employer, you do make sure that your employee did what you wanted him to do. Did he clock in the right? Did he cover his tracks? Did he fill in those forms? Whatever. So you uh, you you you, actually, you ask the same question. And the way you do that with your money is by having a, like a bookkeeping system that works for you, a running balance, or otherwise bookkeeping. The girl knows exactly what I'm talking about. A running balance bookkeeping system. We we got some basic entry-level uh, exercise we do on that in Excel for people in our church that we help. Because one of our aims in this church, by the way, for those that don't know, is anyone who joins us should be encouraged to live on a cash basis and be out of debt within two or three years, if at all possible. Does that make sense to anybody, huh? Hey? We want us to be free. We want people around us to be free. Going back to those Quakers, um, 1758, uh, they actually made, made that a mandatory thing in their community, They would be debt-free. They wouldn't live uh, with debt. Uh, if you were in debt, that was something to be taken very seriously. And, uh, and certainly as far as reparation was concerned, that was an absolute requirement. You couldn't become a member if you weren't willing to make right what you'd made wrong. You had to clean it up. So budgeting, bookkeeping, and debt reduction are the things that help us to, to be diligent. And where does this land us? Well, if we just come down to this in 3 John verse 2. it's only one chapter, so 3 John Chapter 1, verse 2, says, he says, May you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers. So, may you prosper materially, may your, uh, may your, 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 your body be healthy, and may your soul, your inner life, prosper and be rich toward God, as Paul also counseled the, 1 Timothy 6. Counsel the, the wealthy to be rich toward God in good works, um, and as you do that, what happens is that uh, you're living in a whole different ethos from the beginning. Like Judas, who got it all wrong. He thought we could raise some funds here. Jesus is going to, in any case, sooner or later, uh, stand up and declare the kingdom present. So let me just bring it on and see if I can make some money in the meantime. So he made a deal with the Pharisees: thirty thousand or 30 shillings which is a quite a lot of money in in that day so he he got that into the kitty Um, and of course he was proved completely wrong because the kingdom of god doesn't come in the way that we expect it to come it comes in a different thing altogether Uh, so much so that the kingdom comes with this understanding is in the words of mother Teresa, you'll never know that jesus is all you need until jesus is all you've got And that's when the kingdom comes in. It's not about a political breakthrough, although it has political implications. It's not about social developments, although it has social implications. The gospel flows into it, but it always has to do with soul care. And that's why we, we, we've been beating this drum, and that's why we've got Karen on board with us and developing Eden Life Healing Center, because we know that one of the most tragic elements of this protected season we've had with COVID has been the effect on people's relationships and soul care so we've put emphasis on that and, and constantly are ministering to areas of uplifting soul care. So may you prosper and be in good health, even as your soul prospers, is the, the heart of this year. That's really what it's about. Um, just two last names, and then I'm through. I want to just, Francis of Assisi. Do you remember Francis of Assisi? who had this amazing story of, of a life where, being a son of a of a, a wealthy merchant, when he encountered the Lord, he um Um, He just had such an overwhelming sense of the call to a a, a lifestyle of simplicity that he took his inheritance and gave it away and and embraced the poverty that uh, was so overwhelming um, that it was the most impactful thing about him. And um, it was destructive of everything that would have made for greed in his life. And uh, he, in this new simplicity, he said, I have found that one goes likely to heaven much more quickly from a hut than from a palace. The road is direct. <laughs> Francis, you see, hey? Don't you love that? Um, That's quality to simplicity. God has made us simple, but we have complicated ourselves, says Ecclesiastes, eh? Hey? God has made us simple, but we have complicated ourselves. Our, our lives have become so complex. May God spare us from that and, and, and release us. And then lastly, uh just to remind you of a of a a man that I, I, his story I, I never forget. It's just such a lovely story of Elias Banda in Ulongwe. Colin I met this guy. I've I've um, got a picture of him actually in my, in my cupboard at home. Um, he was a he was a tramp. I've told you about this before, but I love to tell the story. Uh, he was a tramp and uh, lived with great poverty in in middle of Malawi, and. Uh, Uh, One day he was at the back of one of our crusades and heard the gospel and got on his knees and accepted Jesus, got born again. And then he stayed on the rest of the day while we did some discipleship and training. We talked about money management and things like that. And he he said, Lord, I would like to, now that I I know you, I'd like to uh, live like it, but I don't have anything to give, Uh, uh, to tithe on. How do I do this tithing thing? And the Lord reminded him that he was living off picking up tambala, which is a tiny coin on the streets and the the pathways of of Malawi. Uh, He said, Why did you start with tithing your tambala? And he began to do that. And as he began to do that, a new sense of dignity came to him. And he said, Lord, this is feeling good, but I don't feel like I'm right now. I'm still dressed in these rags. And then the Lord gave him the idea to find some scrap wire and make some coat hangers and hang them in his bush shack. And he says, over a few weeks, 10 hangers were filled with changes of clothes, different shirts to wear, and he began to feel a new sense of dignity. Coming in his life as he, as he was tithing from Tambala and, and doing it out of a, a gratitude base. And the last I heard from, from Elias Blunder, he said uh, he, he, he was then leading a, comp- a construction company with 40 employees. So God had progressed him from one level to another to another. Little by little, hey? not little by little, little by little. Uh, So we we let the gospel impact us. And Jesus says, if we can let him have the final word, that um, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that your gospel is so powerful. To change our lives. Transform us. Thank you Lord for the things that you're saying to us in these days. And uh, thank you that your grace is sufficient. We need have no fear. I pray for those amongst us who have financial anxiety. Lord I pray that today would be the beginning of their jubilee. Of a new lifestyle of freedom. Turning their backs on everything that doesn't tie up with the values of, of your word. Turning their backs on that and their faces towards you like Zacchaeus and learning to reach for that freedom. A generous man will prosper, and he refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Lord, we want to we want to be a house of refreshing for many. We want to be that. So lead us in this. Lead us in the application of this in our lives as we go forward from this moment and into this uh, festive season. Lord, lead us in a way that others would see you and your goodness and your favor and your reliability of grace in all of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we rush off and have our coffee, I do want to pray specifically so over some of the situations related to this, um, this, this message. Um, Who's facing this next season with some level of trepidation and saying, Lord, I don't know, there's a big thing, but I want to trust you. Mm-hmm. And, and you're really needing to have your faith increased. Is there any way it could relate to that? You feel like I need an increase of faith, that this message that, uh, about Zacchaeus, and if you're a new Zacchaeus, yeah, can you live with gratitude? Can you live uh, in a transformed way like he did uh, with generosity and uh, with biblical values, if you struggle with that? I want you just to stand quickly right now, because we're going to pray very specifically for you, so don't be shy. Just, maybe others in the house as well. If you'd love God to increase the level of your faith, that this adventure becomes so much more freeing for you. Anyone else that would like us to pray for a infusion of faith, a fresh encounter with God that will transform the way you're handling your money? And it's not about the amount, whether it's a couple of rands or a couple of million. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills and the gold they in. He says, the silver and the gold is mine, declares the Lord in Haggai. So we can trust him. We can trust him with it all. He knows the end from the beginning. Come, Holy Spirit. I think uh, allied to this, for some amongst us, there's an insecurity about your job situation. And you're not sure that the future is going to be there. And there's some changes pending for you about that. I'd like to pray for you as well. Anyone else like to stand for that? Your job situation is a little tentative or not deeply satisfying. I want to pray for a miracle to happen in every one of your lives. I want to pray that God would open a door that you'll know that it's him and no man will be able to shut it. And for those who, who need God's financial breakthrough in their lives, uh, that the gospel will become the motivation for that. He would work so powerfully that you'll know that this is because of Jesus in you. It's not because you were clever. Dethrone the idolatry of cleverness. Dethrone that. Put Jesus on the throne. Call him Lord. your hands out. Let's just pray. Church, reach out to those standing around you. Would you just reach out to them? Let's just pray. If you want to go and stand with them, feel free to do that. Lord, we pray right now for every one of my brothers and sisters. You know the work situations. You know what they're contending with. And you know for those in particular who are standing for increased faith, for upcoming expenses, and they don't know how they're going to pay those bills. Lord, we pray that you would come through for them. There's someone here that knows specifically there's an amount of money that you need. If it's a particular amount that you need, uh, <clears throat> it's not just generally, I need more money. Like what do you need? What needs to be covered? And by when do you need it? God began to introduce me to this some time back, years and years ago, by being much more specific. And I began to see Him remarkably break through again and again in financial provision when I asked specifically. So, anyone. There's a person in this room that's got a specific need. I want you just to call it out to me. How much do you need? Thousand. Hundred thousand Rand. And specifically, by when do you need it? By when do you need it? 17th of January. Okay. Hundred thousand Rand by 17th of January. Any other specific needs? Say again. Thirty thousand for for your daughter. For the wedding. Sure. Okay. Any other specific need? i be sure. Ten thousand? When do you need that bar? Is there time on that? Okay. So Lord, we bless these people, we bless our brothers and sisters, thank you that you are their provider, El Shaddai, the all-sufficient God, and that you're going to come through for them, that 100,000, that 30,000, that 10,000, and uh, some of us that are sitting here, we're going to meet some of that need, and uh, the Lord is calling you to do that, I want you to just come and market for the need that was raised today, and we'll make sure it gets channeled directly to those people, and we want to see that there will not be a needy one amongst us. As the Bible says, when the Spirit comes and the gospel is prevalent, there's not a needy one amongst all needs are met because in our God we have sufficiency. We have sufficiency in our God. And we go into this festive season, Lord, excited for your all-sufficiency. And when we celebrate Christmas and New Year and family relationships, we do it with an excitement because, Lord, we know that you have gone before us and you desire for us to, to reflect your abundance in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Give them a hug before they sit down, guys. Give them a hug. And uh, bless you guys. We look forward to next Sunday. We're going to pick up on this and just the last in this little series. And go have some tea and coffee. And if you've been listening online, God bless you. Thanks for being with us today as well.